coming up next on the Varsity Journal podcast. You can't tell me that someone actually predicted that Tiger would rise from the dead and return to his old self. So joining me now on the show is Jay Busby. Jay is a writer for Yahoo Sports. How, how important do you think that Tiger is to the game of golf right now? He is, he is more important than oxygen. I'd rather see a title at the top of a ladder and watch them fight for that. <laughs> <laughs> that might be one of the greatest things that has happened in sports in a very, very long time. But I'm competing for $200 in fantasy baseball money. And because you shit the bed so unbelievably bad, (laughs) that's a little creepy, but I'm thinking, what is this jersey? What is up, everybody? This is episode five of the Varsity Journal. I am your host, Ryan Poirier. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Yeah, it's a Tuesday today, and, you know, I just kind of decided that, you know what? We're not going to do, we're not going to stick with schedule. We're not going to do a podcast every Friday or every Wednesday. We're just, we're just going to do it whenever we feel like it. And, um, so yeah, what, what a week in sports that we had. Um, I, I, I feel like I couldn't not do a sports podcast after this, this weekend that we just had. Um, every, I, I got off work on Saturday and it felt like, it had just been nonstop from then all the way to last night in the Monday night football doubleheader. <clears throat> um, we had college football Saturday. There was a UFC pay-per-view Saturday night. Uh, NFL obviously came back on Sunday and there was the golf tournament, the BMW championship that was also happening. And, you know, Tiger was in contention all weekend in that. And, um, you know, the good thing about that tournament was that actually got postponed due to weather. So I was able to wake up yesterday morning and watch how that closed out because obviously I wasn't going to watch how that closed out on Sunday because with football being back and everything. So so yeah, yeah, I, I got to watch how that closed out. And then last night I also got to watch the, the two Monday night football games. And, uh, you know, as wild of a week that it was in football, I'm actually... I'll get to that later on because we're going to kick things off on the greens in the BMW championship that went down this past weekend, you know, which is crazy, obviously, because with football returning, you would expect that would dominate the conversation of this show. But dude, golf is exciting as hell right now. And that is obviously because of one Tiger Woods. And as long as Tiger is in contention and we see that old classic Tiger where Keeps himself in range of the leaderboard. We're going to see Tiger sporting his red on Sunday, and he's going to chase down the field just like he used to. We're going to see that classic Tiger fist pump. And when we see that old Tiger come out, I don't think that you can come up with anything in the world that's going to top that in sports. Because for me, that's what I want to see. That's it. That's all I want to see. Uh, and yeah, I, I know that we should be talking about football right now, guys, but some insane some insane stuff happened uh, this weekend in the world of NFL, but uh, we're going to get to that later on. And uh, so, yeah, the, the story of Tiger Woods right now is absolutely unbelievable because this is a guy who was so damn good in the prime of his career. And 
this was the way that he was every tournament. That that tiger that I just explained, where he's, you know, we see that tiger chase on Sunday, where it doesn't matter what position he is, as long as he's, you know, five, six strokes off the lead, no matter what, any given Sunday, you're going to see that same old tiger strutting down and moving his way up the leaderboard. And... You know, as long as his name is anywhere on that leaderboard, he's a threat to come and hunt you down on Sunday. And this was just the way it was for a very long time. And we hadn't seen this tiger for nearly a decade. And nobody, nobody thought that we would see that tiger again when he not only doesn't win a major tournament in 10 years, but he doesn't contend for a single title and injury after injury keeps him out of the Masters for what seems like an eternity. And all of these back surgeries. You can't tell me that someone actually predicted that Tiger would rise from the dead and return to his old self. But he has. And that's exactly what we're seeing in golf right now. It's the only word to describe this as it's miraculous. Uh, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that Tiger's returned from all these back surgeries and now at the age of 42, he's playing some of the best golf ever. You know, he's breaking records and he's keeping up with young studs like Brooks Kupka and Dustin Johnson. And, you know, Tiger, he's fucking back, man. He really, really is. And it, it's crazy to watch. And that's what's making golf must watch TV right now because. I want to see Tiger win one, and I think I think a lot of people do. So, Tiger was in contention uh, the entire weekend, and obviously Sunday we had the weather delay, so day four of the tournament was pushed to yesterday, which was weird because we had Tiger wearing red on a Monday, which was actually really screwing with me because I kept thinking that it was Sunday the entire day. Like, I kept seeing Tiger in the red, and something in my brain just kept trying to connect that with the fact that it was Sunday, but you know, obviously it was a Monday. Um, but yeah, that was awesome because I was able to wake up yesterday and watch how that entire tournament closed out. And, uh, you know, Tiger did what Tiger does and he chased down those guys on the leaderboard, but you know, he inevitably made a bogey putt on the 14 that just kind of dropped him out of contention. And Keegan Bradley came in to win his first tournament in six years. And by the way, I haven't seen Keegan Bradley on TV for a very long time. I've, I forgot he existed, to be honest. And I remember when he won a PGA Championship back in the day, I think it was 2011, and he beat Justin or Jason Duffner in a playoff uh, to win the PGA Championship. But that was a long time ago, and I was watching him yesterday, and I had no idea that he swung like that. His swing is brutal. If I saw my if I saw me drive the way that he did, I would be embarrassed. You know, obviously he won yesterday, so there's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing actually wrong with his swing. It won him nine million dollars. He's fine. But his swing literally resembles Charles Barkley's. Um So anyway, today on the show I have Yahoo sports writer Jay Busby. We talked about the BMW Championship that went down this past weekend, and obviously we get into Tiger Wood, 
and you know where golf is at right now. Um, oh yeah, one one thing that I didn't mention was the Ryder Cup that's happening at the end of the month, and that's always an exciting event. It's USA versus Europe, and it's a you know this event is a it's a different golf tournament. It's a uh, it's a very team oriented event, and you know it's golf, but it's a lot more fun in the sense that we have the crowd that's a lot more involved more involved than the you know traditional golf crowd and because of that the players they get super ramped up and it's a really cool tournament to watch and this year it's going to be a lot more exciting with Tiger back on the USA team uh, his last appearance wasn't i think it wasn't since 2012 so this one's going to be a lot of fun and you know this this time it's not like Tiger's on the team for a for pity's sake or for ratings. Tiger's on the team because he's one of the best golfers in the game right now. And uh, so, yeah, um, there's a lot happening. There's also a showdown matchup between Tiger and Phil Mickelson happening in November. They're calling it the match. And yeah, you're going to, you're going to hear in this interview coming up that I obviously did not do any research whatsoever on this, what the specifics of the matchup are. So Jay fills me in. And yeah, to say that I was surprised is an understatement. Uh, so he, he told me about the specifics of this tournament and what he said actually made me laugh pretty hard. So here is my interview with Yahoo Sports' Jay Busby. So joining me now on the show is Jay Busby. Jay is a writer for Yahoo Sports, covers just about everything, covers golf. Um, so first of all, what a weekend we had in golf. We had the trademark Tiger Chase, which we'll get to later on. Uh, the tournament gets postponed on Sunday, which, you know, thank God, because that gave us all Sunday to watch football. And we had the who's who uh, at the top of the leaderboard. We had Rory, Justin Rose, Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky was there, and... We close it out with Keegan Bradley winning his first tournament in six years. Uh, Jay, did that excite you at all watching Keegan win in the playoffs? Or were you a little bummed out yeah, at the end of it, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Keegan is a, Keegan is a guy who's been around a while. Uh, I was I was fortunate enough to, when he won his uh, PGA Championship way, way back at the Atlanta Athletic Club back in the early part of this decade, I was uh, right there following him and uh, Jason Duffner as they were as they were both uh, dueling it out for that and, and so seeing the way that Bradley was able to, to maintain his steadiness as Duffner kind of flagged in the final holes I, I had uh, at the time I like a lot of people had predicted big things for this guy and he and he had some early Ryder Cup uh, success and, and he just hadn't been able to follow up on that so you know you never obviously you never root against anybody or you know you want everybody to play as well as possible but that's certainly it's not possible for everybody to win, a, to win the tournament. So uh, it was good to see him finally get his, his uh, mojo back, and especially after, after losing on that 18th hole where he, where he hit two terrible shots in a row uh, and then still getting the chance to play in a playoff. So, uh, yeah, everybody in golf has to be happy for Keegan Bradley at this point. So Keegan hadn't won in a long time, and I guess it's actually been longer than I even thought because I hadn't watched him golf in a really long time. What the hell is that swing of his? Has he always swung like that off the tee? <laughs> yeah, he's got one of the strangest swings. 
this side of Jim Furyk. You know, it's just this this weird kind of. It uh, looks like Charles Barkley. If Charles Barkley were to refine his swing. Exactly. Yeah, just kind of hacking gophers out of the dirt or something like that. It's just a it's a strange thing, but it works for him. You know, that's the thing is is we hear all of these. Uh, you know, if you're on Twitter, all you'll see five hundred tips a day on how to make your swing better. But uh, if, if it works for you, and if it wins you a major, and if it wins you tournaments, hey, you know, roll with it. Yeah, well, he, won, he just won $9 million, so yeah, I guess so. Um, but I think if we keep talking about Keegan Bradley, then people are going to turn this thing off. So let's move on to <laughs> Tiger. Um, you know, as happy as I was this week seeing Tiger in contention, it almost Jay, it almost seems like Groundhog Day. You know, we're getting the same script, I think, playing over and over. We get that trademark Tiger chase. He'll get himself one shot back from a lead. Then he'll bogey, follow that with a birdie. birdie and then he'll always, you know, just be in the cusp of taking it over, but he just—he doesn't do enough to actually take control of the table. Do you think that's the mental side of Tiger taking over, or do you think it's just the level of competition right now in golf? I, I'd go with the latter. I think that, I mean, all you got to do is look back at the PGA Championship. He played the lights out, and he should have, by any stretch of the, of the imagination, he should have won that tournament. The only way that he was going to get beaten was for somebody to have a historic round, and obviously that's what Brooks Kepka did. So, yeah, I mean, the way that, that Woods has played, you, you know the line about you're not playing the other players, you're playing the course. He's played the course as well as he's ever played these courses. He's had some of his lowest scores ever at these courses, and yet he's still not winning. Why? Because the competition is so good now, and that's the trick. That's what he's got to That's what he's got to deal with now is that is that. The competition may not be, you know, there may not be a, a titan that comes out of this era, you know, who goes and wins 10 majors or something like that, but there are so many players within just a few that, that can win on any given weekend within just a few strokes of the leaderboard. So that's what he's fighting through. It's something he's never had to deal with before. How long do you think it will be before we actually see Tiger win one of these things? Do you think he'll be able to do it at, at East Lake in two weeks? I mean, I think it's possible. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it, it, the thing is, it's tough to predict because it can happen literally any moment. I mean, I, I didn't expect it to be as close as he was today. He goes and shoots that 62 on the, in the first round, then he goes and shoots even par and kind of plays himself out of it, but then he worked himself back into it. So it, it could happen literally every week. I, I don't think it's going to be too much longer, but I think it's going to be a question of how many tournaments that he, that he keeps on playing. He used to play only the big name tournaments and only the toughest tournaments. I think that now, you know, he, you don't want to say that any golf tournament is easy to win, but he might want to go and, and, and challenge a tournament that uh, that doesn't have quite the deep field of, of say, uh, you know, a major. So if, in that case, I think we can see it sooner rather than later. You know, usually this time of year, golf is just kind of wrapping up and, you know, pretty much loses all momentum in the sports world. You know, football's coming back, hockey's coming back, but now golf is actually getting super exciting again. And I think that without question, Tiger's the driving force behind that. You know, he's selected to the Ryder Cup, and uh, we have that coming up at the end of the month, and we have Tiger's showdown with Phil Mickelson, which goes down in uh, America's Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend. How, how important do you think that Tiger is to the game of golf right now? He is, he is more important than oxygen. I mean, it's, <laughs> he's essential. And, and I know that people hate to, to say that because they're like, ah, Tiger Woods, who cares, blah, blah, blah. That's the answer I was I looking for. Yeah, I get grief from people, but... It's it's it, it's tough to you know it's tough to overstate how important he is just because of he, he brings so much of the casual fan and there hasn't been anybody that's been able to connect in a way that he has with the casual fan and and there are any number of reasons for that but the the simplest one is probably the most obvious he won for a long time 
he was indestructible. And there's a lot of people who really just enjoy watching somebody who is the best at their at, at the either if not the best. Uh, he's he's ranked one A right next to Jack Nicholas. So it's it's really it's tremendous to see him playing in any level, and, and the fact that he's this close. I think that that brings that much more attention back to golf. What gets you more excited, the Ryder the Ryder Cup at the end of the month, or the showdown between Tiger and Phil? <laughs> the, the showdown between Tiger and Phil would do it if they were risking their own money. I mean, they're just they're just out there. It's not their own money. No, 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 no. It's all it's all put up for the broadcaster. Yeah, no, no. It's no. This is this is a complete made for TV deal. Yeah, if they if they both busted out a cashier's check for ten million, I mean that that would yeah. uh, that would interest me. But I mean, I'm going to watch it. Of course, I think it's a little expensive for twenty five bucks or whatever. But uh, but twenty five bucks. It, it's going to be. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. Twenty five dollars. Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a, it's a little, it's a lot of money, but uh, but yeah, the Ryder Cup is just it, it's a singular event. I mean, it's you know, like I live in the the American South, and it's like southeastern football here. You know, people just scream and holler and, and get drunk and enjoy themselves, and and it's it's not only uh, allowed, it's encouraged. You know, to a point, obviously there are lines that, that get crossed, but there's the, the kind of good uh, good natured natural nationalism that goes on. I think it's a lot of fun to watch, and uh, it's going to be. It's going to be a really, really great Ryder Cup, if, if only because I think that uh, the European team is going to have to really step up to match the Americans at this point. So I was going to ask you about this Tiger and Phil matchup, but it almost seems now they're making this like a WWE pay-per-view, making you pay 25 bucks <laughs> for it. What the hell? Um, do you think there's actually going to be some high-level competition in that match, or you know, do you think this is just a for-the-show kind of thing? Oh, I think that, that, that pride is going to uh, force those guys to play as well as they possibly can. I mean, I think that, that neither one of them wants to be embarrassed in front of the other. I think that's the key. You know, I think that this is not a situation where they want to be seen as being the, the you know the chump of the two. They both. I think that, that you would give Tiger the edge even now, but uh, but neither one of them wants to be uh, the chump that, uh, that that doesn't show up on national TV. So it's a shame it's going to be pay per view that way. But you know, it's it, it is what it is. I suppose. I'd rather see a title at the top of a ladder and watch them fight for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, any kind of athletic competition other than golf. I'm not sure that uh, would, we would really want to watch it, but uh, but yeah, this is what we've got, so we, we, we go with it. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I think Tiger and Phil might be a little too old right now to be considered the best in the game. So if we were actually, you know, to see the top two guys in golf go head-to-head, who do you think that would be? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, because it, it kind of fluctuates from, from time to time. I mean, obviously, I think your answer right now would be Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas, but... In terms of the player who's got the highest ceiling, I still think it's Rory McIlroy. I think McIlroy, when he is playing his best, he is one of the all-time greats. It's just the problem is that he plays his his all-time he plays his best, but then one part of his game abandons him. Most recently, it's been his putter. But uh, but I think that that Rory, if you're looking for a guy who's going to be one to join those all-time greats, it, Rory has the greatest potential to do it. Granted, he hasn't won any majors in a while, but uh, but if you're talking about purely who right now could you trust to go out there and play best? And, and now that I think about it, I'm kind of talking myself around this, you might even want Brooks Kepke in there in that mix too because he, he wins almost nothing but majors, but it seems like when the spotlight is the brightest, he shows up the, the strongest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking Brooks Kepke and, yeah, maybe Dustin Johnson. 
Uh, thanks a lot, Jay, for joining me today. I got one more here for you. Uh, I just want a prediction sure. on who you, I just want a prediction on who you think is going to win that match between Tiger and Phil. <laughs> I will go. I will say that it's going to be Tiger, but it'll be close. I think it'll be like Tiger three and two, something like that. I, that I, and I hope that they're doing a regular match play. I hope they're not doing something something silly like stroke play. But yeah, uh, well, but what do you mean? Tiger, what do you mean three and two? You know, winning well with three holes left. They'll win. You know, you win with uh, three holes. If they if they do straight match play, where uh, okay. you know, yeah, yeah. they do it, the Ryder Cup singles. So, yeah, I think that, I think Tiger will win, not going away, but I don't think he's gonna have a whole lot of trouble. All right, thanks, Jay. Thanks again. Absolutely, my pleasure. All right, bye now. Thanks, man. Take care. Yeah, you too. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Jay Busby of Yahoo Sports. Um, yeah, man, another another great knowledgeable guy uh, joining the show. Um, man, that was that was funny. That was something else. I had no idea that Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. I didn't. I did not know. First of all, I thought that they were putting up their own money. I thought that they were both putting up nine million dollars. Um, and I had no idea that it was a pay-per-view. So, yeah, you know, that kind of... Who's going to want to pay $25 to watch golf? I mean, people barely watch it when it's on TV, let alone, you know, buy it for 25 bucks. That just... I don't know. That just kind of seems like someone's robbing your money. If they were putting up their own money and, um, you know, that kind of thing, and there was real stakes involved, I think maybe you'd have more people actually willing to cough out some change, but I don't think anybody's going to buy that match for $25 unless they're the real diehard golf fan. So yeah, I'm not going to pay any attention. Well, I I don't know. I'll probably find an illegal stream of it to be honest with you, but so, uh, great interview. One of the things I disagreed with, uh, Jay a little bit was what he said about Rory Rory McIlroy. Uh, I think Rory McIlroy just kind of sucks. Uh, you know, I know what he was saying was accurate in the sense that Rory does have a very high ceiling, but what we've seen from Rory in in the past two years in the majors that he has participated in is just a guy who is able to make the cut, but anytime Rory finds himself in contention, I think there's that mental side uh, that that just comes and and takes over, you know, the same way, the same thing that we had seen from, from Tiger for a very long time, obviously, you know, Tiger, um, had, had the potential, had the skills, that mental side, we saw that Tiger come back, I think maybe one of these days we will see Rory come back, but to say that Rory's one of the top two golfers in the world, I would say is maybe reaching just a little bit, so, anyway, let's, let's get into some football here, guys, uh, as I was talking about on the last podcast, the excitement that I had for this Sunday, this past Sunday, it was crazy, man. Um, you know, I had mentioned this, but I really, I just felt like a kid, man, wait, waiting for Sunday to happen. Um, you know, I don't think I've been more excited for not only football to start up again, but <clears throat> I think that was my, the most excited I had been to the lead up of week one of any, any sport, you know, in my entire life. 
uh, I had the day off work. I had the fridge stocked full of beer. I had wings ready to go. It was looking like it was going to be a great day. Uh, I, I was also in my fantasy baseball playoff on on Sunday, so I was watching. I had a little bit of baseball uh, on in the background too. Um, football, fan, fantasy football started that day. Uh, my 49ers were playing at one o'clock, and yeah, so it looked like it was going to be a perfect day. Did that turn out in my favor? No. Uh, the Niners lost, fantasy baseball lost, uh, fantasy football lost, and by the way, let's talk about my fantasy baseball, just just for a second here, just because I, I, I just want to mention this one little tidbit. Um, I had Brian Boxberger pitching. Brian Boxberger is the closer of, of the D-backs, and this guy comes out. I didn't watch the game. I just looked at my phone and I'm watching what is happening and I'm thinking this has to be an error. The guy got me negative 15 points. So leading up to that entire week, I was, uh, I was very close with, with the guy that I was playing against. The way it works is it's a week long fantasy matchup and my, my team was doing good. I think I was about 10 points back and I start this guy and he gets me negative 15 points. How is that even possible? Brian Boxberger is on my shit list for eternity. And he actually replaces Josh McCown. Josh McCown, I started in, uh, you know, quarterback of the New York Jets, obviously. I started him in my fantasy playoff last year. And he put, he put up... Uh, He might have put up negative points as well, and I think that's insane because as a, yeah, I think he threw an interception and he fumbled and then he got hurt. And to put up negative points as a quarterback, I think is a lot, it's a lot harder to put up negative points in football because there's a lot of stipulations that have to kind of play itself out for someone to finish with that negative points. Usually they'll start off maybe with negative points, but they'll have the entire game to make it up for themselves, but but uh, you know what, man? Maybe, maybe we're gonna. I think we're gonna take Josh McCown off that list. As mad as he made me, um, my uh, my eternal grudge is now on Brian Boxberger. So, yeah, screw Brian Boxberger, man. Um, other thing that happened in football, uh, I was starting Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback on Sunday night, and. Aaron Rodgers, man, everybody's talking about him. He's going to have an amazing year. He's coming back from an injury. He missed almost all of last season uh, with an injury. And he comes out, and in the second half, he just looks terrible. Um, he's not finding his guys. He's, uh, he's struggling to move the ball downfield. And just as the second half is ending, we see Aaron Rodgers... Um, injure his knee, and he he was walked. He he stayed down for a long time. He was walked off the field by his trainers, returned to the sideline, and he was actually carted off the field. You know, I know they talked about this all day yesterday on the sports networks, but 
anytime you see a guy carted off the field, I'm you know I'm not just stealing what these guys are saying, but this is true. As a fan, anytime I've ever seen someone get carted off the field, it usually means they have a they're going to have a prolonged season ending injury, uh, and that's what I thought was going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. And throughout this entire time. He gets carted off the field. It goes to halftime. Everybody's talking on Twitter, you know, what the hell happened to Aaron Rodgers? There's no injury update coming, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of skepticism from people saying that they think that Aaron Rodgers might be done, might have tore his ACL, might be done for the season. Um, and this entire time, I'm I'm looking uh, on the waiver wire in my fantasy football league, and I'm looking at who I can take. As, as my now quarterback, and lo and behold, second half starts, and um, Chris Collinsworth, he, he's like, you know, I just got word that Aaron Rodgers, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna try it out, so I'm thinking, okay, all right, we, we still got a chance here, I, I'm, I'm down pretty big in my fantasy football league, but there's still a chance, and what, I, what happens, you guys know the rest of the story, Aaron Rodgers, Leads this insane comeback. Um, throws three touchdowns. Uh, and the Packers win the game. They were down 20-3. to three. And the crazy thing about this was, I think Sunday was... Uh, it was the start of the Packers' 100th season. So, this is how they, they kicked it off. They kicked it off with uh, this insane comeback. The, the Packers had never been down... By more than maybe a hundred seasons, maybe that's maybe that's very wrong. Because that would have been nineteen eighteen. I don't know if the Packers existed. Whatever it was, it was some uh, historic season for the Packers. You know, one of the most prolific franchises in football history, and they'd never been down by more than seventeen points going into a halftime. So, for Aaron Rodgers to do what he did leads this comeback breaks the record for the biggest comeback in Packers history. That might be one of the greatest things that has happened in sports in a very, very long time. Uh, and as big as it was, I think that this this play is going to be even bigger. Um, it's going to be one of those things, man, and you're eventually just... You probably already are sick of hearing it, but it's going to be one of those things you're going to be hearing for... For, for years, man, because that was a very special thing that Aaron Rodgers did. And, you know, I could probably talk about what happened um, with Aaron Rodgers all day, but you guys know what happened. You saw it on SportsCenter or you saw it on the NFL Network all day yesterday. So, uh, so let's move on. Let, let me tell you about some of the things you didn't see on NFL Sunday. Let me tell you about my walk to the store that day. Um, every week one in the NFL, you can kind of feel the atmosphere in the air. You know, there's an anticipation and there's this flood of games that engulf you at one o'clock. It's unbelievable, especially the fact that we haven't seen a football game in seven months. We're now drowning in football games. And as annoying as this is to say, there's actually a sense and the mood in the air, the football's back. And f- for me, that love and excitement for football uh, in the season is every week. But for the casual sports fan, there's there's a different mood in the air, and you, you can feel it a little bit. 
you know, you walk outside and people are wearing their jerseys, people are you know, barbecuing outside, you, you know, you can peek through a window and see NFL Countdown on someone's TV. <laughs> That's a little creepy, but come on, man. How, you've walked down a street before, looked through someone's window and seen the game on and, you know, you walk a little closer to see what the score is. Yeah, you're a... It's not a peeping Tom. You're not horny looking and watching a woman change. You're just, uh, you're a horny sports fan. You're a horny whatever. Um, let's stop talking about that. Uh, but anyway, every Sunday um, when during the NFL season, I have this tradition. And I leave my house maybe an hour before one, maybe a little bit earlier if I'm feeling good. And I'll walk to the store and I'll buy a Pro-Line. And from that walk to the store to the walk back to my house is the happiest you will find me on any given day of the year is that that walk, man, because for me, it just means that the entire day is going to be fun. Uh, I don't like doing too much on Sunday. I like just chilling and watching football. So, you know, that walk to the store to the walk back, that's the happiest you're going to find me in any given situation. So, you know, I was, I was talking about, uh, this Jersey thing earlier and every week one, people are repping their teams, they're rocking their jerseys. So when I was coming home from my walk, I saw a dude walking up to me wearing an old beat down Miami Dolphins jersey. This jersey had no stitching in it. It had a number eight. Looked like one of the numbers were falling off. I'm thinking, what is this jersey that he was wearing? That jersey? I turned around. Culpepper. I was so beyond confused. Because I hadn't, you know, Dante Culpepper is known for for his career with the my with the Minnesota Vikings. When did he play on Miami? So I was so beyond confused that I immediately went online to see if Cul- Culpepper even played on the Dolphins, and what I found was even more confusing. You know because. Dante Culpepper, for those of you who don't know, he was a quarterback who spent several years in Minnesota, broke a lot of Vikings passing records, later finished his career with Detroit. I think he spent two or three years with them. You know, this guy is known for being the most prolific quarterback in Vikings history. Anyway, what I saw was more confusing than I had even anticipated. Culpepper did, in fact, play on the Dolphins. But... He only played four games there. He went one and three and completed just two touchdowns. This small stint in Miami was literally sandwiched between his years in Minnesota and Detroit. And, you know, not like he did anything outstanding with Detroit, but it would even make more sense to see somebody wearing a Culpepper Lions jersey. Because at least I would understand that. But a Culpepper Dolphins jersey makes no sense. 
So my question is, who in the fuck was this guy who was wearing this unstitched, ugly-ass Dante Culpepper Miami Dolphins jersey where the fucking numbers are literally falling off? Was he even aware of the fact that it was an NFL Sunday, this guy who was wearing the jersey? Who else in the world has a Dante Culpepper jersey? Who bought this piece of shit jersey? You know, and I'm thinking to myself, well, they couldn't have been a very big fan because if if they were a big fan, they would have bought a legitimate jersey. You know, me and my dad talk about this all the time. If you want a jersey and if you're going to wear a jersey in public and you're a fan of that team, you don't wear some piece of shit jersey. You honor that team that you're wearing. You get it nice and stitched up, you know? So whoever bought the jersey couldn't have been a big fan because they bought this ugly jersey. But at the same time, they had to have been a big enough fan of Culpepper to have embedded their trust in a guy who ultimately played four fucking games. You know what I mean? They couldn't have been a big fan, but at the same time, That might be the only Miami Dolphins Dante Culpepper jersey in the world that exists. Dude, I'm telling you, when I saw that jersey, my day went downhill. Jimmy G threw three picks. My Niners lost. My fantasy football team was garbage all day. In my fantasy baseball league, I lost the playoffs. Brian Boxberger scored negative 15 points. You know, negative 15 points, and this lousy-ass pitcher just single-handedly eliminates me from my fantasy league? There's nothing to even say about this guy, but fuck you, Brian Boxberger. You get paid millions of dollars, and like you give a Fuck, but I'm competing for $200 in fantasy baseball money. And because you shit the bed so unbelievably bad, I don't even have a chance at winning shit. <laughs> and I blame it on that fucking Dante Culpepper jersey. Because who the hell bought that? There's no way that this guy who was wearing the jersey bought it himself and was wearing it because it's NFL week one. And that's just something that people do. It was mere coincidence. It had to have been. This guy was not a football fan. But I needed to know about that jersey. So, that jersey... My day's going downhill. I'm having a bad day. My teams are getting utterly smashed in fantasy. So I'm getting angrier and angrier. So obviously, I take my aggression to Twitter, which is a bad idea. A little background to this story. By the way, as you guys know, on Twitter, uh, I, I, I talked about this in the first podcast I don't have much of a following, so 
so my tweets don't really spark anything. It doesn't doesn't spark outrage. It doesn't spark enlightenment. You know, or I'm getting a bunch of retweets. Whatever. Here's a background to this story. Throughout the day, I'm trying to watch. Uh, we're talking about dolphins, but I'm trying to watch the 2018 Miami Dolphins and Tennessee Titans game. But there was a rain delay, which I guess is kind of odd because you generally don't see a lot of delays in football games, unless there's a hurricane or something. But like, even when there's a hurricane, that game usually just gets moved to a different arena. So at this point, I'm very angry. I'm like, how the hell is this game not on? So I took to Twitter and I tweeted out something that I thought was actually a very funny tweet. And I think that it would have went viral had more than 20 people seen it. You know, if I had the following that I'm trying to reach and, you know, people who I'm, people who follow me, you know, there's not a lot of sports fans. But if I tweeted this to a lot of sports fans, I think they would have found the humor in this. But, you know, I ain't shit, remember? So not a lot of people see or respond to my tweets. But anyway, the tweet said this. I'm reading the tweet. You got players shooting themselves in the head after prolonged head injuries, and the NFL won't start the Dolphins-Titans game due to weather. As if preventing a player from getting struck by light by a lightning bolt is at the top of the NFL's agenda. Prioritize. <laughs> right. In many ways, this t- that's the tweet. In many ways, this tweet is, I think, is pretty clever. Because the NFL has had this long-standing issue with players committing suicide after their careers were over. A suicide contagion literally started in the early 2000s. You had player after player committing suicide. And rather than the NFL do something about this and support the very factual evidence there was on prolonged brain disease that leads to deterioration of the brain, if you guys um, watched the movie Concussion or have done any research on CTE, you would have heard about Bennett Amalu and his findings on CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Um, you would you'd know about this brain disease. And it exists because of multiple subconcussive blows to the head, which is caused in football. So rather, so the NFL... They sat on the sidelines while all these reports were coming out on CTE and wanted absolutely nothing to do with this. When they could have listened to these reports from the get-go and work with these doctors involved in the studies and actually work on ways to make the game safer, they did everything in their power to cover it up. They hired doctors to oppose reports that came out that said anything negative about the leak. The NFL literally hired a committee that was responsible for defending negative reports about 
the damaging effects that football can have on somebody's life. Eventually, the league was sued, and the estimated total of money that the NFL had to cough up was something like $765 million. So, you know, obviously the tweet I made was very exaggerated, and it was in hyperbole, because, you know, there's fans involved, and any preventable caution they can take against fans getting hurt by fucking Mother Nature, which is lightning, which is why the game was stopped, you know, they're going to take those precautionary measures. So, you know, obviously my tweet is a joke because I'm speaking as if Mother Nature is, (laughs) can actually try and hurt somebody. It, it's hyperbole. It's a joke. It's exaggeration. It's satire. But for real, if, if I was famous, I think that this tweet would have gained positive attention because it was satirical. I'm exposing the fact that the NFL historically hasn't given a shit about anybody's safety. So, you know, let's just get the damn game underway. But <laughs> I ain't famous, so... Obviously, the comments I received were by people who were offended in some way, even though they weren't actually offended. They're just, this is just how people are these days. They say that they're offended and, uh, you know, which which is funny because I I know a lot about CT. I I did my fucking thesis in university on, on CT and, uh, how the, how the media has changed its view on CT. I've done a lot of research on this stuff. So it's, it's funny that, that someone could even dispute or defend any claim about the NFL and, and not see the satire in what I was trying to say. But anyway, man, that, that tweet, <laughs> that tweet would have never happened if it wasn't for that damn Dante Culpepper jersey, because that jersey sincerely cursed me. And ever since I saw that, yeah, man, the day just went downhill. Um, oh, okay, one more story. In the midst of all this happening, uh, me getting angry, uh, then getting in some Twitter heat, I actually went back to the store before the 4 o'clock games, you know, kind of actually hoping that I would run into the Dante Culpepper guy, just... I had some questions for this guy, man. You know, didn't see him, but I wish I did. I had a lot. I had a lot of questions for this guy, and I, I think that's the reporter in me, man. I, I wanted to get to the bottom of this, and I wanted to find out where the hell that jersey came from. But you know, I, I walked past a few houses on my street on the way to the store, and this one house in particular, I can like hear shouting from down the street, so as I get closer, I'm aware that this house is, you know, getting pretty rowdy by the sounds of it, students are back and everything, so this has got to be a student house, and uh, I wasn't even being a creep this time, because I couldn't see anything inside of the house, I wasn't peering in any of their windows, but I could just tell by the way that these guys are yelling that they're watching football, and, um, as I get down the street a little further, I just hear someone yell at the top of their lungs, fucking go for it! 
followed by, I'm gonna stab this fucking coach. <laughs> so that's all it really took for me to get in a good mood again, you know? <laughs> stab that fucking coach is, yeah, that's just pretty much football talk for, football's back, baby. Um, you know? Some people like walking down the street and listening to birds sing, and that's my bird singing, baby. Stab that fucking coach. Um, and a bunch of dudes screaming at their TV. Because, you know, for that entire walk, I, I was actually in a good mood. Again, you know. And, uh, and for that walk, you know, in that small amount of time that I left my house, I had forgotten all about that Dante Culpepper jersey. Just, just for a little bit. Um... You guys, thank you for listening today. This this just about wraps it up. Um, this was a real one, man. Uh, thanks to Jay Busby from Yahoo Sports for joining the podcast. That was a lot of fun, too. And uh, you guys, if you're ever going to buy a jersey, make sure it's stitched. Make sure the numbers aren't falling off the damn jersey. And make sure it's not a Dante Gulpepper Miami Dolphins jersey. Please. All right, guys, until next time, everybody, thank you for listening. I'm out.